0: The pitch from Marcevedo. A drive
1: deep to right field. Down the line. The Mariners win this game 2-1. The dream lives. They're going to the playoffs. The drought is over. Cal Raleigh. Wow. Hey now. Hey now. Hey now. Are you kidding me, Cal Raleigh? He gets a slider. season is over it's officially time for the postseason hello and welcome to episode 235 of section 138 i'm your host mark Colley, as always joined by bryson and jacob a weird end to the regular season where the blue jays are not just playing games that don't matter at all they're also playing games that no
0: one wants them to play including the blue jays but guys how are you good to be back boys um I'm trying to like put in a perspective of what these games felt like, like especially the first game of today's doubleheader. It just felt like it was a mix of spring training and like 2020. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah. felt like empty parks and then spring training. Like it looked like a spring training lineup. Bradley Zimmer's getting at bats left, right, and center. So it's nice to kind of sit back and not care about the results of this. After, of course, since the last time you guys recorded, the Jays officially clinch home field, and it's kind of just a nice break for a couple of days to kind of you know prepare yourself for what's happening this weekend because this weekend. Is going to be electric. It's going to be fun, and the best part about it, it's going to be in Toronto.
2: I'm going to be real. I almost kind of wish they didn't clinch until maybe yesterday or today because I had
0: zero. That's a loon comment. All so you're right. talking about
1: Alec Manoa? Going I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Being wasted. What a what a
2: I'm loon. Kidding. What I'm saying is, is these games, these lot. La- well, today really, I didn't even play yesterday, but this last game of the series, or this last day of the season, I should say meant nothing in terms of standings like you're in so it you know it, i'm just so excited for friday i'm saying random things but yeah like it was a good ending to the season you're seeing a lot of good at bats from a lot of young players blue jays legend bradley zimmer got some plate appearances it i mean oh. zim dog <laughs> oh man but no it was it was overall a good ending to the season but
1: yeah.
2: best part is, is it's not the ending of the blue jays this year so now let's just be prepared for the madness of friday
1: Yeah, about a year ago, they miss out on the postseason by one game. This year, the final games don't even matter. They are very comfortably in the postseason, and the Blue Jays' final record is 92-71 and game better than it was last year. And, of course, missing out on one game, they win the extra game that they needed to, although postseason structure is obviously different, but I think it's a little bit poetic that it's shaped up that way. Um, Just to go over some housekeeping things, the Blue Jays, Alec Manoa going game one. We have the starting times for these three games. It's 4:07 on Friday, 4:07 on Sun, uh, 4:07 on Saturday, and then Sunday it is a 2:07 start. If that game is played, it's going to be a lot of fun. But before we get to any of the Jays stuff, we do have a special guest on this episode. We're going to be joined by Chris O'Day. He's the host of the Mariners Mojo podcast. He also he's also a contributor to the Mariners website on the fan-sided Network. So we're going to throw to that interview first. Take a look at what he has to say about the Mariners and preview the Blue Jays series against them in the Wild Card, And then we'll come back and talk some Blue Jays. So here's our interview with Chris O'Day. We're joined now by Chris O'Day. He is at Mariners Lifer on Twitter, host of the Mariners Mojo podcast and a contributor to Soto Mojo, which is a Mariners blog on the fan side of the network. Chris, how are you?
3: I'm doing amazing. Thanks for asking.
1: Yeah, I can imagine you're doing amazing Amazing, given how the Mariners are doing right now. Um, first off, just congrats on the playoff berth. I have to say that Cal Raleigh highlight was insane. And even as someone who isn't a Mariners fan doesn't have a lot of goodwill towards the Mariners right now just based on how they played against the Blue Jays this season, even that got me a little bit emotional. So I can imagine how special it was On your side especially you know with the Mariners not having been to the playoffs in more than two decades um let's start there like if you had to describe the 2022 Mariners in a nutshell how would you describe them because from the outside looking in um it seems like there's just overwhelmingly good vibes I mean that's kind of literally the slogan good vibes only
3: yeah ever since Gino got there it's been good vibes only And really, it was kind of a tale of two seasons with them starting off 29 and 39. And it seemed like this was going to be a team that was a year away with how young they were, with how new everybody was. But then thanks to the Angels, the switch just got flipped after that brawl in L.A. And ever since then, things were different. And by the end of the season, with the playoffs coming up and like you mentioned, with that Raleigh homer, it's just been pure elation and excitement and just joyousness all throughout the state of Washington.
2: And so for this series, um, what's the Seattle playoff rotation kind of looking like? And who would you say the three probable pitchers are and how they've been doing as of late?
3: So number one is going to be Luis Castillo, the midseason acquisition. Um, he's he's nasty when he's on. If he's not pitching Oakland, for some reason, they have his number. Um, he's been really doing really well when he's got that uh, two seamer going. It can make anybody look silly. I mean, look at that video from Juan Soto a couple weeks ago. When he threw 99 with 17 inches of break, it's just insane. He's going to be starting game one. Um, They haven't really announced who's going game two and game three. I think there's a bit of a worry about throwing Ray with how right-handed the Blue Jays can be. Um, So there's been talk of Gilbert going game two and then maybe Kirby going game three just to keep Ray out of there or kind of be able to pull him early if need be. But they haven't really announced it, but all the talk with everyone I've been in contact with has been Gilbert in game two.
0: Hey, Chris, uh, you know, you mentioned with Robbie Ray. That's news to me, obviously, and I think news to us about Robbie Ray. I think we were kind of expecting that you'd see him. More of a lock is in game two, but that's interesting. Uh, obviously, Blue Jays fans are very familiar with him. So I got to ask you, how would you describe his first season uh, with the Mariners?
3: It It got off to a rough start with like that, the cold game in Minnesota, the rain game in Chicago. And I think that kind of threw him off a little bit. Um, it took him a while to get back to being not quite the Robbie Ray that we saw last year, but there was flashes of it throughout the year. I mean, he still ended up with 220 strikeouts or something like that. Uh, he was out there pretty much every day, going six innings. And he was kind of the guy you expected. And I think it was in line with the contract he signed and, A lot of the talk was, is he an ace or is he a number one? Uh, Depending on who you talk to, there is a difference in that. And I think he's kind of, he's a number one. Um, He's not necessarily a top 10 to 15 pitcher, but if he's the guy at the front of your rotation, you're still going to be pretty happy with it. Um, And I think that's what we've got here in Seattle with him so far this year.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting to hear you say that he kind of got off to a weird start because I think with the Blue Jays last season, it was kind of similar where I think there was like a freak injury where he actually fell down a flight of stairs in spring training yeah. holding his kid. Yeah. And that kind of set him back and he had a weird couple first starts and then just kind of locked it down after that. But um, you know, even after that, I think there were some blips in the radar. Like obviously he had a phenomenal season cause he ended up winning the Cy Young award, but there were some blips along the line where he would give up a couple homers and a start. And that was always kind of his Achilles heel was, the home run where he would strike out a bunch of guys, but he would also give up the long ball. Um, I'm curious about the Mariners bullpen because I think the bullpen is obviously a part of a team that plays an outsized role in the playoffs. So I want to give you a little bit of a scenario and here you have to think about this. So the Mariners, let's say it's game one. Um, they have a two run lead and the starter is coming out of the game in the seventh inning. And there's, let's say a runner on second base with none out. Um, are you confident in the Seattle bullpen to finish the job, or is there concern there? Because I know for the Blue Jays, most of the time you can be confident, but depending on how rested guys are, if they were using the previous game, there might be a reason to be concerned.
3: Uh, I'm pretty confident with it. I mean, just look at the new bullpen acquisition we got with Luis Torrance. No. Um, after he got <laughs> the win the other night, that was pretty cool. But with the guys who are actually in the bullpen, uh, pretty confident with it. When you got guys like Munoz coming in there uh, with one of the most effective sliders in all of baseball, you know that depending on the, the lineup he's going to be or the, the guys he's going to be facing that inning, uh, service has shown the ability to not just put guys in in a certain inning because that's the role they have if they're a mid-inning closer or a mid-inning setup guy or a closer. Um, if you got like Vladdy and the heart of the lineup coming up in the seventh, he's going to throw Munoz or he's going to throw Seawalt. He's going to put his best bullpen guy out there. Um, just to go top shelf guy against top shelf guys. And with Munoz, Seawald, even Diego Castillo, um, Penn Murphy's been pretty good this year. There's just, there's a handful of guys out there with how often they throw that slider and how effective they've been with it. um, That It's led to a lot of confidence with Mariners fans this year. And I mentioned that 29 and 39 earlier, kind of when the season turned around. There was a good stretch, probably about half the season, The Mariners had deep baseball when you're looking at like wins added and ERA, uh, strikeout rate, just a whole bunch of things. It was when it got to that seventh, eighth, ninth inning, Mariners fans felt pretty good about it. Um, That lasted all the way up until I want to say it was end of August, beginning September when the Mariners were 48, 49 and 0 with a lead going into the eighth inning. Um, Just it got to that point of the game and it was game over.
2: Yeah. See, it's interesting that you bring up guys with a lot of very, very strong breaking balls. We saw that, I think in 2016, Andrew Miller just completely dominated the blue Jays. And we've seen it all. I think this season, especially with such a right-handed dominant lineup, but in terms of the blue Jays, and this can be for any aspect of the team, the rotation, the bullpen defense offense, is there any specific player? Is there any specific area of the team that really worries you going into this three game series?
3: Uh, to be honest, it's probably the youth in the outfield. Uh, Winker's out now. Haggerty, even though he's not um, super experienced, he was an older guy. So he's just been around the game. Winker and Haggerty are both out and probably for the whole postseason, depending on how far it goes. Um, so you got Kelnick, Taylor Trammell just got called back up. So you got Hanager out there who, yeah, he's an older guy, but he misses time with injury. So you could be seeing something in a game where you have Kelnick, Julio and Trammell out there and that's a lot of youth Um, and it's just I could see that being the stage getting to those guys at some point and them just faltering kind of buckling under the pressure
0: Chris I'm curious um, I guess around the middle of September is when kind of discussion started from Jays fans at least of you know who would you rather play in terms of these seating options obviously the Rays and Guardians were the other alternatives for both the Jays and the Mariners I'm wondering did Mariners fans, do you think they had this? Like, were you guys talking about the same idea about
3: who would you rather play, or were you kind of just hoping to get in and then that playoff streak? Oh, it was definitely a big conversation. Um, There was a handful of Mariners fans out there who were like, hey, you guys, let's not worry about who we're playing. Like, let's get there first. We haven't done it since 2001. This should be the important part. But the matchup part of it was um, really interesting. And maybe not so much for the wild card round, but a lot of people just didn't want to play Houston with whoever won they'd rather play the Yankees. Um, so a lot of that talk was, Hey, is getting the sixth seed really that bad of a thing? If you get to go play Cleveland, um, you get to stay away from Toronto and Tampa. And then if you beat Cleveland, you get to go play Houston, or you get to go play New York and stay away from Houston. So that was a big conversation. Um, and we had even put up some articles about it of, Hey, is tanking the worst thing to do, like getting the sixth seed. I think that might be okay. Um, but personally, I kind of wanted the team to stick with it, try and get that four seed, get the home games, um, just so we could see all those Toronto fans come down across the border. But really going into the postseason strong with some wins and confidence was what I wanted for this team. And even though they didn't get the four seed, I I think they're, they're coming in pretty strong right now with how they've been playing over the last four or seven games.
1: You mentioned the fans right there. I'm curious about that because, you know, as Blue Jay fans, we kind of have, I think, a, a concept of what Safego or now Team Mobile Park is when the Blue Jays are playing there. But just watching like the highlights from the past week or so, especially the Cal home run, that environment seems insane. And I'm very glad that the Blue Jays aren't playing in it because I think on the flip side that there's a huge home field advantage for the Blue Jays at the Rogers Center. At least from my personal impression as a Blue Jay fan, I think it's a tough place to play for opponents. From your impression, like is the Rogers Center a tough place to play? Does it have that kind of status outside of just Blue Jays fandom as a place that's really loud in the playoffs?
3: Uh, I think you're right in that it is a tough place to play. Uh, you talk about how loud it gets, and I think there's always the added implement of going across the border where it's just an, another um, part of the, the travel that you're not used to. So it just adds some of that pressure, adds some of that travel time. And especially for these young guys, maybe guys who haven't really grown across the border much or who haven't gone across at all um, and now are able to with the recent change to entry into Canada. um, It's going to make it a little bit tougher. And I think you're right that it is going to be that extra added home field advantage for you guys. Um, But on the other side, I think you mentioned, hey, it looked like Seattle was pretty crazy just whenever Toronto's there. The freeway, I-5, all the way from the border up to Seattle is just loaded with Canadians going down there to watch the game, be in Seattle, be a part of it. Um, so I think even if Homefield was in Seattle, you guys would have been represented pretty good there.
2: I mean, regardless of which ballpark it is in or it would have been in, I think it's fair to say this is probably going to be one of the best wildcard series, at least this season, in, in terms of the matchups. But in terms of Seattle's roster, who they're going to bring to Toronto, who should we as Blue Jay fans and the Blue Jays on the field, who should they fear? Like who should we not want to see on that field? And who do you think will do the most damage for this team, knowing that it is only three games, but who do you think is really going to be the all-star for Seattle?
3: Um, I think One guy, the biggest ones I'll get to in a minute, but I think Dylan Moore is the guy that you need to watch. Um, he's been kind of a, a utility guy for his whole career in Seattle. Um, but he's got power. He's got speed. I think he tied his career high with 21 steals this year, uh, double-digit homers. When he gets on base, he's a problem. He's a pretty good defender. Um, he should see more playing time with Winker out. So I think if he's able to get it going or have a hot game, that's going to be huge for the Mariners. Other than that, it's it's the guys you would expect. Ty France, Julio Rodriguez, and Ijo Suarez. Suarez. Um, I mean, Julio had one of the best seasons out of anybody in baseball this year. I think he ended up hitting like 284, had like a 6.0 war. I mean, the guy's incredible. He's going to be the face of baseball up there with like uh, Vladdy, those young guys who are just crushed the ball. And they really do put that fear into pitchers every time they're up there because you know what they can do. Um, And then Ty France, it seems like he's healthy again. Uh, When he's healthy, he's one of the best hitters in baseball. You can go back and look over the last year or two, and you can kind of tell when he's hurt and when he's not because when he's healthy, he's a 315, 320 hitter. Uh, but he tries to fight through it a lot, but right now it seems like he's healthy. Um, so those are the guys that are watch for on Seattle.
0: And that Julio Rodriguez contract, that got a lot of Jays fans talking, obviously, because the Jays still haven't paid Vladdy, and that's kind of been a whole topic of a conversation that might, I guess, get done in the winter or not. But just curious, too, I know you've touched on individual players and everything like that do you have any in particular x factors for the mariners if or for how they would do this if they would beat the blue jays this series any kind of maybe three of them uh, who you think really need to be an x factor for the mariners
3: uh i think it's going to be dylan Moore, the guy i mentioned earlier number one um if he can be on with that good defense with that bat and speed he can just kind of be a problem all over the place Um, secondly it's probably going to be somebody like matt brash I didn't mention him earlier with the rest of the bullpen, but he's another guy with a nasty slider. If he is on, he's tough to hit, but he can also miss the zone a lot. And that's the kind of thing where if you're going into the eighth with, a say, a 3-1, 4-2 lead, something like that, and all of a sudden you walk two guys and then you make a mistake, now you've given up the lead, and it happened real fast. Um, So I think that's something to watch out for with a guy like Brash, where you might see him go 1-2-3, and you might see him go 1-2-3 and get pulled from the game because none of those guys got out. Uh, Lastly, it's Big Dumper. Uh, Kyle Raleigh. I mean, he set a Mariners record for homers by a catcher. You can look across to his offensive and defensive stats for a guy who's 25 and under. He had one of the best seasons for a catcher of that age of all time. Um, Yeah, he doesn't have the greatest batting average, but who does in baseball anymore? So if he can be on, if he can hit a homer, he's got that good defense and he can limit kind of what Toronto does on the base paths. I think those are going to be the guys to watch out for in this series.
1: Nice to hear you mention Matt Brash because, of course, he's a Canadian kid. And I'm sure even though he's going to be playing with a home field disadvantage, he is going to be playing to some extent at home. He's from Kingston, which is maybe two or three hours from Toronto. So that'll be exciting to see him have a little bit of homecoming of sorts. Um, Okay, just to wrap it up, two final questions. The first one, what's sort of your confidence level going into this series? Like one to ten, how confident are you that the Mariners will be able to pull out a win?
3: Uh, you're talking like uh, just winning a game. I'd say seven, winning the series. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd probably go with six. I like the okay. Mariners bullpen. I like their starters. If it was a longer series, I think I'd lean more towards Toronto, but if they're able to just get that first game out of Castillo, who depends on how I feel about like Manoa or Gossman, I think a is probably the best pitcher in the series, especially if he's on. Um, so I think that gives a big advantage to the Mariners for this. So that's why I'd lean towards probably a six or so for a confidence level.
1: Okay. So I take it after that answer that you would predict the Mariners win?
3: Yeah. Um, it, I, I think that confidence level of six goes along with if they play the series 10 times, the Mariners win it six times. Yeah. Or it's that level. It's Yeah, it's close. It's a close matchup. Both these teams are low 90s wins teams. Um, they can get hot at the right time. They're hard to beat, but they're wild card teams for a reason. Um, so, yeah, I think when it comes down to it, Sunday evening, afternoon, whenever it happens, the, the Mariners are the ones who walk away with a 2-1 series one.
1: Okay. I was going to ask you how many games it was going to take for 2-1. Nice. Uh, I obviously disagree with you as a James fan, uh, but I'll take it. And uh, certainly looking forward to this series, you know, expansion sisters from day one. And this is the first time they get to play not only against each other in the postseason, but um, in the same postseason period. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Chris, thanks for joining us. <laughs> thanks for having me
2: on, <laughs>
1: That was our conversation with Chris O'Day. Huge thanks to him again for joining us. You can find him at Mariners Lifer on Twitter. He's the host of the Mariners Mojo podcast and a contributor to Soto Mojo, which is a Mariners bro- blog on the fan side network. Go check out his work there. So that's the Mariner side of things. And first before we get into into any of the Blue Jays things, I want to touch on one thing that Chris said that we all found really interesting and that was the fact that he mentioned Robbie Ray may not even be starting in this series. And we've been talking all season about the potential of Robbie Ray coming back to Toronto or not coming back to Toronto given the vaccine status and that was a huge point of conversation with the Blue Jays. But to hear that he may not even be starting Anyways, even though the vaccine mandate has been lifted is really fascinating. I'm curious what you guys think about that, because, you know, our memory of Robbie Ray is of him being the wild card, or excuse me, the Cy Young winner in the American League last year, him being one of the most dominant left-handed pitchers in Blue Jays history, at least one of the most dominant single season performances in Blue Jays history. So to hear that he might not even be returning to the dome is really surprising.
2: Yeah, that honestly caught me off guard. And even before we did this interview with him, I i mean, like a lot of people, we looked at who we expected to see the Mariners to use. You know, standard fan stuff, standard stuff that I'm sure everybody in baseball is doing right now. And Robbie Ray seemed to be a lock. I mean, that would be, I guess, you know, the Blue Jays, I guess, are in a little bit of the similar pickle. You know, you're looking at, obviously Manoa and Gosman are going to pitch, but then I guess outsiders are arguing that, all, and I'm saying people that are not fans are arguing that maybe, uh, maybe it's Barrios. Maybe it's somebody like that. But for us, it's like, no, of course, it's it's going to be Ross Stripling. You know what I mean? So it's almost like we're the outsiders and we just.
0: Yeah, Ross Stripling game one.
1: All
2: right. Can I, that can I leave now? Can I leave now? Podcast over. <laughs> but no. Okay. Anyways, uh, it it did catch me by surprise. And I, don't, I mean, I'll be real here. I think if Robbie Ray does face the Blue Jays, I think he could destroy them. Like, let's be real here. It's a It's a lefty. Blue Jays don't really have. You know, a ton of lefties. He throws a good slider, throws a good fastball. Could be interesting. Um I don't know. Let us just hope it doesn't get to that point. But uh it it did catch me by surprise. You know, you're looking at uh just their depth chart, and I did I expected Robbie Ray to be within that top three, and it's just it wasn't in that case. But if it was a longer series, absolutely you would see Robbie Ray in maybe a game four, he, maybe a game three if depending on the scenario, but yeah, it's it's a weird series in the sense that you are basically Saturday's game is going to be an elimination game, so you need to throw your absolute best starters out there. You need you need to basically be full throttle from before the first game even begins. And to know that Robbie Ray might not even be part of that plan, it I don't know. I think it also shows that Robbie Ray's had a very up and down season. You know, you're looking at an ERA close to four. He's been you know roughed up with you know a lot of home runs, a lot of walks, and very unfortunate times i don't think just like the blue jays are saying with Brios, i don't think you can afford to put him out in the wild card series i don't think you can afford to have robbie ray have a blow up and then need to do damage control because unfortunately if you're doing damage control at any point in this wild card series you might as well book your playing tickets to go back home so i think it's advantage blue jays i guess in some sense you know you're not facing robbie ray but well you know we'll have to see i i, I don't want to say that just because you're not facing robbie ray it's the the greatest thing in the world because there are obviously other pitchers that are good and their game one starter I think it's we put out Alec Manoa I think they're it's it's going to be a difficult one from the get-go so I'm just excited to see this and we'll have to see how this whole whole thing plans out because other than game one I don't think anything is officially confirmed so we could see Robbie Ray but it's looking from people that know a lot more from us that we are not going to see him and would be kind of fitting, you know, You can kind of just sit on the bench and admire what he almost had almost missed out on, or did miss out on, but doesn't matter. Blue Jays in two, but they won't even need Robbie Ray.
0: Well, I'm kidding. That was uh, a joke for later okay. on. I, I just, I thought we were saving our prediction till the end, but I mean, Hey, that was a joke for said, later. It'd be a real shot in the arm if Robbie Ray. Everything went according to plan. and Robbie Ray saw that, of course, if you understand the reference, um, that was shocking to me also. Uh, about Robbie Ray, about oh, now you guys are getting it about Robbie Ray, not being actually don't for get A2. it Okay. Maybe Mark gets it, I'll <laughs> explain it after. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is yeah. Like I'm with you, Jacob. This shocked me. Um, I just had the assumption, obviously this, it's kind of like a um, when the playoffs start, everything is very secret. Of course, like you mentioned, they've only really announced one starter for either for both teams. And of course, Luis Castillo for Seattle, it'll be Alec Manoa for Toronto. Other than that, everything of course is off. I guess just privately not nothing's being I guess leaked out or anything like that of course it's all speculation as well from what Chris is saying but the fact that it isn't I guess upwards of a lock that he even the fact that he mentioned not even pitching in the series alone was what shocked me even more because if it's not going to be game two then okay maybe game three but the fact that he uh you know mentioned the alternatives of course they're Logan Gilbert of course who's a righty and George Kirby who is another righty for the Mariners who could potentially be a better matchup on paper because of course what Chris was saying about how you know throwing out Robbie Ray against this Jays lineup which was a bunch of righties on paper it doesn't look very good of course it makes the Jays lineup a lot deeper just the fact that they all have pretty much all righties in their lineup so that's what's interesting with me on that one um you know we I I was always intrigued about what a Mariners fan thought with Robbie Ray this year, because of course I think we were kind of keeping tabs on him the odd time. Uh, Usually you kind of do that, you know, with a former player the the year after he leaves, of course the same thing with Marcus Simeon, but, you know, you look you look at the year Robbie Ray had and it wasn't, it was nowhere close to what he had obviously last year uh, with the Blue Jays. I mean, we had, he had a really rough start and I believe April and May, I believe May was actually his worst month or it was up there with, with his worst month. And then June, he had a turnaround. And basically when, from what I remember hearing, I guess that was kind of a similar time to when the Mariners came to town the first time um, about how he had to make some mechanical adjustments and what he was using with the Jays just wasn't working uh, with Seattle. Who knows what was happening with that? Maybe it was the Pete Walker effect. Maybe just teams made adjustments on him. And we've talked about this all year, about how teams have made adjustments pitching to the Jays, especially a guy in particular like Vladimir Guerrero jr. Well, the reigning AL Cy Young award winner, of course you're going to make adjustments when you're facing him. But after that month of June, he flipped back to, you know, being, I guess the Robbie Ray of April and may, I think he had an era of 5.40 in July august was good and then he didn't end off on a good note i know his last start against the a's which was a few days ago uh he allowed multiple rents to them he got essentially got lit up to them um his last start, and so ironically
1: it's the game that allowed the blue jays to clinch home field I advantage bl-
0: i believe it was yeah it got them pretty much close to it so jacob i'm going to disagree with you if the fact that he would destroy the jays i think it's not as much of a lock that is the case. If he does pitch, Um, you know, the Jays know him well is also you're going to be in Toronto. And I just think that they definitely have a chance to get to him, and they have a, get, they have a chance to get to them with all, with all these pitchers. I mean, the Jays lineup compared to the Seattle lineup to me, the talent wise and the production wise, it obviously leans towards the Jays. And that might be the deciding factor this series is the lineups because both teams have a phenomenal pitching staffs. Of course, um I do agree with Chris about having, Luis Castillo is probably the best pitcher in this series. Other than, I mean, Alec Munoz just, or has been just as good, but for the Mariners, Luis Castillo, they got him for a reason. They got him away from the Yankees for a reason. They signed him for a reason for five years. That's going to be the, obviously the toughest hurdle. And of course the Jays have just as good pitching though. Other than that, after Alec Munoz, you got Kevin Gosman, you got Ross Stripling, potentially there's the option of Jose Barrios. We don't know about that, but either way, Kevin Gosman and a potential game two. You like where things line up about that. So if that cancels out, to me, the deciding factor of this series is going to be the lineup. And if they are able to get to a Castillo, they're able to get to Ray, no matter who it is pitching for the Mariners early enough, I think it's going to be it, the advantage is definitely for the Blue Jays.
1: Right. So let's talk about that. We asked Chris what the X factor was on the Mariners. What's the X factor for the Blue Jays? Like who is the guy or the guys that need to show up In order for the Blue Jays to win this series, whether it's two games, whether it's three games, I'll put one name out there right now. I think one of them is Kevin Gosman and I've talked about all year about how his numbers are actually better than they seem and he's gotten horribly unlucky one of the worst BABIPs among qualified starters in baseball history. But luck doesn't really matter in the playoffs. It's one game, and that is all that matters. You don't have an aggregate to look at and pare it down and say, "Ah, oh, well, in the whole, this guy's actually been pretty good and good strikeout numbers and doesn't walk many people and doesn't give a whole lot. Like, none of that matters if you lose a game and you lose a series. So I'm going to put Kevin Gosman as one of the big X factors and if he can perform against the Mariners in this series. Another X factor on the offensive side of things I think, is going to be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We saw him, little spits and bursts of him getting hot towards the end of the season. We saw that huge home run on Monday night that went over the left field wall, which is a feat in and of itself to do at the new uh, Camden Yards. But if he can maintain that, if he can stay hot, if he can show up in the playoffs, that's another guy I'm going to be keeping my eye on. I think he's going to be making a big difference on this team. And then the last honorable mention I'll give of a guy who is not an X factor at all, or I'll say two guys who are X factors: George Springer because he's done it in the postseason year in and year out, and you know he's getting paid for October, and he is going to show up. And then the other guy, I'll say, even though we've never seen him in the postseason, Alec Manoa. So I'm interested. What are your guys' X factors for the series? Who needs to show up and perform in order for the Blue Jays to win?
2: See, I don't want to repeat you, but it absolutely has to be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And if this truly is his house he truly is the face of this franchise you show that by performing in the playoffs and yes I don't think that he needs to carry you still have Springer you still have Bichette who can be he's still a good hitter like regardless of the things here but you have a lot of good players a lot of good offensive players defensive players like this is a very well-rounded team but this is the guy that people have expected to be the next Aaron Judge or what maybe not hitting 62 home runs but this is the next guy that people have expected to be the face of the franchise and if you're going to do that you need to do that in October and you need especially since you're now at home this is your first playoff game at home in well in your career so you do need to really turn things around and it's been an up and down season for him i know 32 home runs is you know it's not bad like it's it's average it's it's decent but know it's, it, it's it's fantastic it's fantastic but
1: especially like, you know i know we're comparing him to mm-hmm. aaron judge right now and that's just unreal but aaron judge leads the rest of the pack by like 20 home runs i think kyle swerver yeah, is a runner-up right now and he's like 44 45 or somewhere around there so that's a much more friendly comparison than using someone who's having the best offensive season in history
2: no when i said aaron judge i meant like the face of the franchise i'm not like i don't think you can compare anyone yeah, to aaron I, i'm to just aaron saying judge. like
1: when we look at the aggregate home run yeah. numbers i think it's a little bit deceiving to compare it to where the rest of the league is at because Judge just blows that out of the water. Mm.
2: But what I mean is is it's it's still a like if you look at this season independently and say we have a guy that's hitting two seventy-three, I think 32 home runs, like he's having a very, very good season. It's still not what you expect out of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You expect it, especially after last season, to be a little bit better. I think if you're going to turn things around, like I don't really care if you didn't hit 40 home runs or 50 home runs, whatever we all predicted he was going to do in, in back in March or February, you can turn things around. You can shut everybody up by performing in the playoffs. And the next thing I'll say is kind of an X factor and we'll see if people agree or disagree. But I think the fact that you are in Toronto in front of your home crowd is going to play a little bit more of a role than, than what people are, uh, what people are anticipating because This is, you know, we look at the home opener. This is the first time those players have ever, or most of those players have experienced that. This is the first time they've fully been in Toronto, full crowds, full contention, you know, full intentions to contend and do well. You are now at home. You've clinched three games, two games guaranteed, three games if necessary in Toronto. I think just everything from Tim Langton calling that, that starting lineup, hearing your name get called and hear 50,000 people scream, Seeing the Jordan Romano light show, hearing people call, and just do the the wave. I know people don't like that, but the whole atmosphere. I think it's it's going to be more of a factor than people realize. And like at this point, you might as well put some of us in that lineup with all the adrenaline running through our veins. But I do think that that's going to be more of a factor than people realize. And you are at home, and yeah, it's fun to be at home. Yeah, it's nice as a fan to go watch or watch on TV, but if you're one of those players and you, you know that all of these people want you to do well, I don't, I don't know how that doesn't play more of a factor than people are anticipating it to do or anticipating it to be. But I think that the key here is this team is good. This team is really good. You just need to prove it you need to perform well and perform the way you're expected to. And, and anything less than that, I think would be, would be evident if they lose the series. Cause I do think this team has the ability to win the series. It's just, are they going to go out and do it?
0: Yeah. um, Oh, I mean, first of all, when you were talking about, I guess, just the last time or just this is the first real postseason for, you know, these players, you also kind of take a look at the last time I think there was a playoff game in Toronto in 2016. I have it here. You know, guys like Melvin Upton Jr., Darwin Barney, Ezekiel Carrera, uh, were all pretty much in the starting lineup. Joe Biagini was also on the roster. So, I mean, that just shows you as well, as much as it's the first time for these players, it's also the first time in a while for a game, just being at the Rogers center uh, for playoff baseball in 2022. So it should be exciting. And I mean, I think, yeah, I think Alec Manoa is one of my X factors, Mark, uh, I'll side with you on that. And then I think my other X factor, I know, you know, I know you don't really categorize George Springer's one, cause he's done it before, but I mean, obviously we all know that he needs to be the George Springer like he has in the past in the postseason for this team to have a really good chance. So I guess he's an honorable mention for me. Uh, another X factor, I'll say, I'll say Whit Merrifield. But to start off with Alec Manoa, I mean, we were talking about it for this matchup. I mean, you have Alec Manoa, you have Luis Castillo, both the best pitchers for both teams. And I believe the Jays faced Luis Castillo earlier in the year, but it was when he was with um, it was the Cincinnati Reds. So I don't think they faced him when he was a member of the Mariners just yet. Correct me if I'm wrong. But of course, they've also or Alec Manoa has faced the Mariners, and I believe it was during or the series in Seattle is when he did face the Mariners. He pitched well, but the key is going to be getting to Luis Castillo early. If if you can pull away with getting Game One under your belt, winning the game with Alec Manoa pitching and taking the game from Luis Castillo, that is huge for the rest of the way the rest of the series looks up to. So I think that Game One is going to be very important, just as important as you were talking about, Mark, for Kevin Gosman. But I think just starting things off and getting to Luis Castillo, because that's clearly the Mariners' best pitcher, I think that's crucial for me. So, um, Whit Merrifield is going to be my second guy. Um, I think you guys obviously had a very good conversation last week about who would you have, you know, when Santiago Espinal is ready to go. I think this is Whit Merrifield's position right now in terms of what he's done and taken advantage of it since Santiago Espinal has been pretty much uh, been on on the shelf with the an oblique injury and what Merrifield has pretty much lit up every category possible. We've been talking about him for the past two weeks now in terms of what he's done, taking advantage of that. So it's his first playoff run. Um, he's hitting the ball really well at the bottom of the order. And that's huge because if you're hitting at the bottom of the order, like the Jays lineup has done very good this year, and you're dealing with another honorable mention X-Factor with George Spring at the top of the lineup, Bo Bichette, the way he's been hitting, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., if he can stay hot and get hot at the right possible time, the bottom of the lineup setting it up for the top of the order, I think that is huge. And Whitmerfield's one of those guys that's been at the bottom of the order since taking over for Espinal, playing every day, and he has taken every advantage of it. He's been hitting the ball crazy. He's been he's been lighting the charts up like we've been talking about. Those are two my two X-Factors in this series.
1: Whit Merrifield is a really good one. I hadn't thought about it, but we saw him in this Baltimore series do what he did in the series before and run all around the base paths and really become the MVP of the bottom part of this lineup. We had our Patreon, one of our Patreon supporters, Eroch mentioned that, yeah, he's become the MVP of the bottom part of this lineup, and it's true. Um, you watch what he did in that first game. He gets on base and he runs all over the place and he comes home on a wild pitch. Like it's unreal what this guy has capabilities to do when he's hot but the question is how long he can he sustain it because he hasn't had the greatest of seasons but again now the only performance that matters is the playoffs you can make every single blue jay fan forget every single bad thing you've ever done on this team if you show up and perform in the playoffs and that's the only thing that matters at this point um okay let's talk a little bit about the Baltimore series because I know all eyes are looking ahead and these games didn't really matter, but we got to at least pay homage a little bit to what happened. The first thing was these games didn't matter. And it was a very weird situation where the blue Jays are playing games. They don't care about. They were actually told according to Mike Wilner of the Toronto star that they would not be playing. A doubleheader on Wednesday if Tuesday's game was rained out and then of course that turned out to not be true the Blue Jays play a traditional doubleheader starting at 1235 the second one starting around four o'clock um, just a weird situation where yeah Bryson like you said earlier it just felt like a spring training game where you have guys like Otto Lopez you've guys like Gabriel Marino you have guys like Jackie Bradley Jr. and Bradley Zimmer and you know Casey Lawrence and I don't know, Mitch White and all these guys who don't normally get playing time, getting playing time all of a sudden. Part of me likes it because it gives you the opportunity to get some playing time for guys who either haven't played in a while or are going to be part of the postseason picture or just aren't going to get major league experience all that often and this is going to help their career. Part of me is kind of mad at this because the Jays are having to play players that are going to play in the wild card and you need to get them rest like Bo Bichette, like Teoscar Hernandez, like Vladimir Gro Jr. All these guys could benefit from an extra day off, but because the Blue Jays are playing two games on Wednesday, you have no choice but to play them in at least one game because you only have so many players to go around. So that's a bit frustrating. Um, although I will say, you know, having the satisfaction of yes, playing 162, it's nice. And it uh, certainly weighs better on our preseason predictions because we don't have to add the asterisks of the fact that they didn't play that final game. Um, Let's talk about some of the standout performances because I think the two guys that really stood out, or I guess three guys, we already talked about Wim Merrifield. He stood out. The other two guys are first, Gabriel Moreno, who hits his first major league home run. And then second, Otto Lopez, who just really shows up in the doubleheader, bats to lead off in the second game, and kind of demonstrates why he's in the majors in the first place. He's been sitting on the roster for a while, hasn't really got any playing time, but he demonstrated in this series why he's in the majors in the first place. Um, let's start with Marino, and I, I guess we can talk about both of them at the same time, but Moreno, I find it, it's an embarrassment of riches for the Blue Jays. I mean, Marino for maybe 20 teams across Major League Baseball would be their starting catcher right now. And he just played in his first two games and how long? Like, it's ridiculous the catching depth that the Blue Jays have. Not only do they have Danny Jansen, who is a top-tier defender and can run into one with the best of them, they also have Alejandro Kirk, who is great at framing pitches at the bottom of the zone and is a fantastic hitter. A little bit streaky at times, but overall, especially for a catcher, a fantastic hitter and then you also have gabriel moreno who not that long ago was a top five prospect in all of baseball it's ridiculous the talent that the blue jays have a catcher and we're probably going to revisit this in the off season but by god they need to trade one of them really quickly i don't want to get into that now because it's not the focus of this podcast we're focused on the wild card but they gotta trade one of these guys
2: well, I don't want to mention it either, so I'll just say one sentence.
0: <laughs> you guys took some heat for one
2: that. One of those three catchers are not going to be with this organization next season. Oh boy, you're very well. Think of it like, what do you, you can't have three catchers? <laughs> we're into it, anyways. Yes, it was a very, very good performance from him, and it almost kind of reminds me just the whole doubleheader scenario. It reminds me of the 2000, I guess you can call it 17, 18, 19 days where prospects were called up late September. Nobody really cared. Like, the, 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 it was nice to see them, but team was out of it. Like, no, we get to see these prospects and then go see one of the best rosters in baseball compete for a playoffs uh, or compete in a playoff game in less than 48 hours at this point. So it's exciting to see. And, you know, it was nice to see that first home run. It was nice to see, you know, Otto Lopez. He had actually, you know, five hits today, which is ridiculous over the two games and then six hits all throughout the series. This is like, it's... It, it was a good thing to see. You know, you're, you're seeing, especially him. He had his first career RBI. It's nice to see the kids come up and the kids that have been sitting there on the bench all month. It's especially nice to see them go. And one thing, I, I don't know if I've said this on air, but I feel so bad for Bradley Zimmer. Like this guy sits there and there's this one meme. I'm not sure mean? if he, he's a legend. Well, th- there's Zim I don't know he,
1: shady, Zim, uh, shady, that too. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's
2: this one meme. I'm, I think I've shown you Mark where this one guy will post whenever the Blue Jays win, he'll be like, you just lost too. And then it's all these really, hey, let's pictures. give him a
1: shout out. It's Alejandro Kirk memes on the screen.
2: Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's Alejandro Kirk. Absolute funniest thing I've ever seen ever. But whenever Bradley Zimmer plays a role, he has like a picture that says, you just lost to two innings of Bradley Zimmer. Like the fact that you are known as being like the, the defensive replacement. And like, that's it. It, it hurts to see. Like, I I can't imagine that it feels great to be that, but at the end of the day, he's on a playoff roster and he got to celebrate with everyone. So he'll be on the playoff roster and he'll, he'll be, he'll be a role, or at least he'll play, a, not the hugest factor, but anyways, going off on a Bradley Zimmer appreciation rant, but no, it was great to see these last two games. And I was a little bit surprised. I think it was Arden's Welling or somebody tweeted last night that blue Jays are going to play a, and then it was like a, an asterisk double header with like a quotation at the end to say like, it's going to be two, but it's going to be one realistically. And I it was nice to get that 162 and get some guys in, and you know, even in the second game, you're looking at this was the one that they won. This was their final tune-up before the playoffs, and not many guys need it. But you see, David Phelps, Anthony Bass, Tim Mesa, those guys got in work. So this is kind of their last little bit of work before the playoffs. And even in the first one, Trevor Richards, Adam Simber, Yimi Garcia, and Jordan Romano. So you're looking at like th- this is your this is your warm-up for the playoffs, and. I'll give a little bit of a shout out to Hazel May. She tweeted Trevor Richards is the blue Jays game one starter at nine in the morning today and had people freaking out thinking, excuse me, what's wrong with Alec Manoa? (laughs) She didn't clarify that it was game one of the doubleheader, not the wild card. Yeah. But no, you know what? I'll take it. You play two games. Yeah. Ideally you have Bo Bichette and Guerrero and all these guys sitting out that extra day, but honestly, I don't think they need it. I think that extra bit of tune up is always great. And at the end of the day they finish the season on a high note with a win so you're now going into these playoffs thinking yeah we just beat the Orioles two out of three they won five out of their last six which is a good thing to notice too like this team is coming into the playoffs hot and at this point everybody that's that knows that they're going to be a key role in this in this playoff series they got their work in and now we're just looking for them to do it again uh, come friday
0: the only goal in mind that I had for this series was nobody get hurt. George Springer is not allowed to touch the double header, which, which happened. And of course, I don't even know if I wanted people like Boba or Vladimir Guerrero junior playing any of the games, but of course, I mean, you can only go to your bench so much with that lineup. They're rolling out even with those guys in the lineup. So that was the main objective for me. Nobody got hurt. No, you know, sort of bench clearing anything with Brian Baker or anything like that. Luckily nothing happened, but that's where I was focused on. And again, I said at the top of the episode, a couple days to kind of kick back and relax knowing that no matter what happens here the jays got what they want they got home field for this wild card series and everything was basically set in stone so it's a nice change from what you were talking about mark about uh just a year earlier and how devastated we all were um that next morning or that same day i think we recorded actually so that was just my whole goal of that i think we had an idea that because that was the case, because the Jays clinched home field on, on their off day, um, or not even their off day, but the, yeah, no, the night they flew out to, uh, to Baltimore is when I, pretty much everything, or after game one, sorry, is when everything was pretty much uh, determined. We had an, a, a feeling that all these guys were going to get some rest days, and of course, you're going to have what we saw today with those guys and shout out to auto Lopez, uh, especially for me, Uh, definitely a guy that's been up and down on the roster all year, taking advantage of what he did today. He was hitting the ball really well. And for Gabriel Moreno, I mean, this touches into the talent that we knew he had. And he's a guy that, of course you talk about it, Mark behind a lot of, or on a very good team with a good catch, catching depth. And, um, you know, that's pretty much held his position back on this team because of that, because he got Danny Jansen swinging the bat, like he at, at an insane level and Alejandro Kirk being the good hitter he is. Uh, there was simply no room for him on this line. He came up for a bit, of course, when um it was all, Alej- no, sorry, it was Danny Jansen got injured for a bit. And then of course he went back down, but then in September he was back up again and they've been kind of carrying three catches the rest of the way. And I think a part of that is because of how good Danny Jansen's been playing and we've seen it later in the year where there's been scenarios also where it's not just Kirk DHing and Jansen catching. Well, there was a start where it was the last Alec Manoa start actually, where Jansen was the DH and Kirk was the catcher. So that was kind of an interesting thing they had on that. And I kind of, this kind of ties into Bradley Zimmer though, because I'm going to throw it back at you guys with the question. This has been a, another heavy debated topic, and it's going to contradict what you said, Jacob about Bradley Zimmer being a lock on this playoff roster. Cause for me, he is not a lock whatsoever on this playoff roster. To me, I don't think you need Bradley Zimmer on this playoff roster if you have Gabriel Moreno playing well, and if you have Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk at the same time playing well. Do you okay, guys think – Okay, but they, don't, they oh. don't
1: fill the same role. Like Bradley Zimmer is a pinch runner and a defensive well, replacement. Looks, jo- Jr. Is, I guess. I like Zimmer better than JVJ, though. If you're choosing between them, I, I choose Zimmer. I disagree just with both of you guys. You're not looking yeah. for
0: offense from that position. To me, you have Gabriel Moreno on that playoff roster because of the fact of how good Danny Jansen's been playing. Bradley Zimmer's batting less than what he weighs. I don't feel bad for him, of course. But you don't need him to hit. No, of course not. not. Let me finish. But this was what Jacob was saying about bringing this up. I'm very intense with this because it's obviously the playoffs, but I just, I don't see a need for Bradley Zimmer on the playoff roster. If you have Gabriel Moreno and you have Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk playing well, that's my question to you, even though I kind of already got my answer, but I just think that that's something the that Jays got to consider for Friday for Friday morning at 10 a.m.
2: Well, one thing just really quickly, I know we'll probably hear about this in the next couple of days, but there's nothing confirmed about Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s health. So yep. maybe they do keep both of them. Like if he's not 100%, I think, who was this? It might've been Joe Siddle at the end of the game saying, if Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is not 110% ready, he's not on that playoff roster. So it's a very good chance you see Tapia starting, and then you have both Bradley Zimmer and Jackie Bradley Jr. in in your outfield. And if they advance past that, then me, I think have a better debate. But at least right now, I think it's fair to say that both of them are there, unless we hear astonishing news in the next you know day, really.
1: How's this for you, Bryson? I will. I'm listening. Bet you a beer in game one because we're all going to the game. I'll bet you a beer that Bradley Zimmer is on the postseason roster.
2: What about if he starts?
1: Okay, I'm not doing this. No. There's no <laughs> chance in <now> hell he starts. <laughs> uh, if he's on the postseason roster, you buy me a beer. If he's not, I'll buy you a beer. Let me think about it. I, I'll I take I that might, if he says I'll no. That I'll. Th- oh. I ahead. need an answer now. Next five Wait, what, seconds. Right, what, was, what was Jacob saying?
2: No, no, no. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll. No, you go first. If you answer. if you don't take this, think I will not think about
1: let. it. You can't think about it.
0: We're sure on the clock here. This
2: isn't Shark Tank. Just make the deal.
0: <laughs> Just make the Shark Tank reference. I don't know. I like you guys. Don't have any hope for moreno on the playoff roster i like I don't have think you, you can thought about it like you before can have this both week, he
1: hadn't played since september 22nd
0: like, but it's uh, to allow jansen and kirk to be in the lineup isn't that your best lineup every day that's
1: yeah that's what that's i'm trying uh, to say
0: uh, it's not about, it's I, I about think having jansen there i think
1: jacob's right though you can have both of them if you I, with jbj off the roster to be honest i think you leave jbj off the roster
0: wow Yeah, no, okay, I I see differently from that. But, I mean, of course, if Gurriel is injured and if that's the case, then obviously it's not a conversation. But if he is ready to go, because we know if he is going to be, if he's going to be limited to pinch hitting duties, I guess, at the start. So it is likely you're going to see Tapia do start in left field anyway. But I don't know. I just thought Mm -hmm. it was interesting knowing that if those guys are ready in terms of him and Espinal to be on the roster, maybe it's a conversation to have. I'll, I'll take your bet for it.
1: Okay, there we go. If Zimmer's on now, the roster... Now, do you bet me that
0: JBJ's off the roster? And he's... What What if... Can I throw no, back I don't at feel you? I bet you he's on, on the that. roster. I don't okay. feel as confident on okay, that. That's
1: okay. a, it's a hunch, but I don't know. Um, the other guy that's also involved in this conversation now is Mitch White. Because the Blue Jays optioned him after he appeared today in the doubleheader. And because of that, he's no longer eligible for the postseason roster unless there's an injury... On the postseason roster, and he needs to replace him that way. So that's another spot you get on the roster because Mitch White isn't going to be on it. So I mean, that pretty much guarantees that you say Kikuchi is going to be on the postseason roster because you need some sort of guy to eat innings in the worst case scenario that you needed. But um, yeah, that so that that's another factor in this conversation where you aren't—I don't want to say wasting—you aren't using a spot on Mitch White, so you do have a little bit extra room if you need it for someone like Bradley Zimmer or JBJ or. Marino or whoever it may be um okay so we are getting towards the end of time here but final thoughts before we get to series predictions and this is i think this is the biggest series prediction we've ever done on this podcast but that's for the next question first off final thoughts final impressions about this series to come on friday less than 48 hours away
2: i've already warned people that if i show up to work and school and everything next week not speaking, then you know why because my voice is absolutely gone. I think this is going to be a fantastic series. I think it's like if the Blue Jays lose, obviously I'll be angry and I'll be upset. But I think regardless, it's going to be an absolutely fantastic series. It's going to be a close one too. You know, this is two teams that are they're going to compete. They're very good teams. They're very deep teams. I do think, like I said at the beginning, this Blue Jays team is going to benefit from that home field advantage and. It's probably what, maybe the, fr- like, I-, I know the home opener was technically a sellout, and I think they've had a lot of sellouts this season, but this is going to be the first true sellout where people are not are not going to say, oh, well, we can just, like, not go or whatever, or, like, every seat is going to be filled. Like, I-, I have a feeling that if you look back on these tapes, which a lot of people will, and people will watch the game over and over again, you are going to see a lot of shaky cameras because of just how much jumping is is going to be going on in that, that stadium, It's going to be one hell of a weekend, regardless of who wins. Although let's be real here. We want the blue Jays to win. We want them to face who is it? The Astros in the division series. Yeah. So we just want the deepest playoff run possible. And I think this, this series is going to be a lot of fun for everybody. True. Honestly, like the fans and the players.
0: It definitely will be. And I mean, not only were the players watching or sorry, not only were we watching old clips, the players were too. And they've been pretty much confirming that. I mean, I think I saw a whole collage of home runs in the postseason where cameras were shaking, even besides the famous Edwin and Jose Bautista moment, other home runs that just happened throughout the game. I mean, I guess an example is that big Russell Martin home run that he hit. Uh, I believe it was in 20, it was 2016. I think if not, it was 2015, but either way he had a big home run and just, I don't know, just a basic home run as well in the po- earlier in the postseason where the crowd's shaking and everyone's into it. I mean, it's the first time they're going to experience it. We talked about it. This is the first time that we're experiencing it since 2016. So you know, you want fans to be loud. I mean, Kevin Gosman's a guy who's been on the other side of it. He came out, I think, today or yesterday and said, There's 50,000 people rooting against you. That's intimidating. And he's basically saying, For a mindset uh, of a visiting player. So I think that's the one thing that, of course, I'm excited about because, or uh, of course, that's one of the most things because, of, for- of course, they have it in front of them to win this series. And the fact that they have it at home gives them the opportunity to do that it gives them an advantage knowing all this I think I'm very excited as well to see the atmosphere uh with that before we get to the prediction so I'll save all that for that and I'm just trying to remember Mark I, I don't know if we did a I don't know if we did one in 2020 for that two game series in Tampa but of course again like I don't know we, do I, think we, even we did. That? I
1: think I said it would be a two game yeah. sweep by the Jays <laughs> I think was we, embarrassing.
0: All, we all predicted it I remember for a fact we all predicted a win but you're right this is definitely the biggest prediction though now because of the fact that's you know, 2022, we're past that pandemic season. And obviously this is the first real postseason, I guess, for our podcast too. So this definitely is our biggest serious prediction.
1: And Bo Bichette said something, I think it was earlier today to media, basically the fact that when he's talking to people, he says he's never been to the postseason, even though he had in 2020 because it didn't feel like it. There was no one in the stands. The Jays were 32 and 28 that season. It was like a Mickey mouse post-season as we've talked about. So I I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely going to be a very different environment this year. And, you know, I told my girlfriend I'm in Ottawa, I'm bussing back on Monday. I told her either I'm coming home hungover or I'm coming home depressed and there's no in between. So we'll see how it goes. Um, serious predictions. Let's hear it.
2: Okay. I have, I, I don't know if we're going to sweep this one, but, or I don't know if the three of us are going to sweep our predictions. Okay. Um, I'm going to say the Blue Jays win in three. I don't know if they sweep. I'd love them to sweep. But I do think that I think Seattle's winning a game. Like no matter what, I think that they're going to win a game. Would love them to go Blue Jays to win the first game and then whatever. But I think it's going to be a three game series all the way. And, you know, see you Sunday.
0: I give you props, Jacob, because you were the first one to go. And again, this is the toughest prediction we've probably ever done. I mean, look, both teams are phenomenal teams. That's one thing. You gotta give it you got to condemn what Seattle's done this year, the stuff they've done. Of course, they ended their long playoff drought. They're happy to be in there. Um, to me, I think this is a sweep. I think I think the Jays can take care of Seattle in two games. I think the the pitching, they can match the pitching with them, of course, other than Castillo. You got Manoa, possibly Gosman game two. I think the lineup's better on paper. I think there's more talent. I think they produce more of the second half. I think they've also produced more in the month of September. Unlike any other team in baseball, they have the if everything goes to plan. If they've been playing like they have been doing this entire month, there is no reason why they can't take out Seattle in two games. Based on all of that, and on top of that, we talked about it just beforehand. The fact that you have home field advantage, I feel really good about this series, and I really and I just think that Seattle. You know, I'm, congratulations again to them for ending that uh, drought that they had. The Jays are here to win the World Series. Wow. Sweep. I like. I'm passionate here. I don't I, know. I do
1: disagree with Chris. Like, I think the Blue Jays are a better team than the Mariners. And I think, yeah. like, if you played this series, like he was saying, if you played this series 10 times, I don't think it goes six to four Mariners. I think it goes probably six to four Blue Jays. But I think they're two evenly matched teams. So I'm a I'm with Jacob here. I think it's going to be a two-to-one series win. If I had to put my money on it, I think they win game one with Alec Manoa. They lose game two with Kevin Gosman and they win game three with Ross Stripling. I don't want it to be that way. I'm a Gosman fan as we've talked about, but I think that's probably the way it will shake out. Um, okay. Next time we talk, we're going to be talking after game one of the series. And that is really exciting. Uh, That's pretty wild. We're going to be talking outside the dome, uh, minutes after Game one concludes. Win or loss. Um, Thanks again to Chris O'Day for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at MarinersLifer, host of the Mariners Mojo podcast, contributor to the Mariners website on Fansided. As always, you can support our podcast by uh, following us on social media. That's at Section138Pod. You can give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your episodes. And we will catch you on Friday. From the Rogers Center. See you then.